and when it when he teaches me something, um, I like to share that with people. I don't. That's just my pastor's heart. Sometimes it's hard. You know, you're doing devotions and you're reading the Word and you're thinking, "Boy, I'd like to share this with somebody." And sometimes you want to just tell the world, and sometimes it's just for you. But sometimes the 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 things that God shares with us as pastors is something that we need to, you know, share with you. And, and maybe I don't have it all figured out today. And hopefully through the, my message, you'll see that I'm not perfect. I'm like you. I have struggles and difficulties in life. But God speaks to me and uses his word to speak to me. And hopefully he'll speak to you today. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this opportunity today to bring your word. May I be truthful with it, Lord. May it be challenging, but yet at the same time rewarding for us as those who are trying to live a life that pleases and serves you, our King and our Maker. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the question I have for you today is, how do you handle life when it gets difficult? How do you respond when life doesn't always go the way you want it to go? Do we whine? Do we complain? Let me explain a little something to you. This isn't that serious, but we're going to start out kind of fun. A year ago, I started taking pictures of this deer. It was my deer. My future son-in-law, Mitch, named it Homeboy. I have hundreds of pictures of this deer. I was going to shoot this deer, my deer, on our property this fall. That was my plan. Why is it that when I show this picture, everybody laughs at me? You see the guy behind that deer? That's not me. That's my brother. That's right, my brother shot my deer. And he didn't even know what he shot when he shot it. He's like, he calls me on his cell phone. I shot a big one. Well, no doubt. I've never seen a deer that big in my life. All I had was pictures of him, almost all the time in dark, hundreds of pictures of this deer. Now, why didn't God give that deer to me? It was my deer. I was feeding it the whole year. I was taking care of it. I was taking its picture. I was so excited about it. But yet, life happens. And I was hunting that morning 200 yards from my brother, and that deer ran by him instead of me, and there he is behind it. Well, that's a simple one, right? It's easy. It's a deer. Big deal. Get on with life. See, why do people laugh at this? I don't think it's that funny. It is a big deal to me. But there are bigger deals that we deal with, right? Two months ago, we were sitting in this, I was sitting right over there with my family, and they left church right at the end as the church was ending to go out and to go to an event. And they never made it to that event because a drunk driver pulled out in front of them, and they ran right into the side of his van and destroyed the car. Why did God allow that to happen? Aren't I doing good things for God? I'm a pastor. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I, 
Why, do, why does life happen? I need to get rid of that picture because it's going to drive me nuts. Okay. Um, as a pastor, I've counseled with a lot of people that deal with stuff in life. Just life comes your way, like shingles. There's lots of people in our church that have shingles in the last couple of years. It's painful. Why does God allow that to happen in your life? Why does God allow you to have to have surgery, to struggle with difficulties with our health? Some people have had strokes recently. Some people have family relationship issues where your kids don't get along. Or they don't get along with you. Okay. (laughs) Now they're messing with me. Maybe you have difficulties with your own siblings. Maybe you have financial difficulties. You lost a job. Maybe you're struggling with an accident that happened in your life. I could probably take this little wireless microphone and hand it around. We could spend all morning talking about the struggles and difficulties that we all have. Right? Some of you are dealing with them right now. And you're saying, God, why me? Or maybe you're saying, God, what's the purpose in it all? Hopefully today I'm going to show to you a little bit of why God allows things to happen in our lives and the purpose behind it. So my question today, what is the proper response for us as Christians when we face difficult times? And i got to be honest, I'm preaching this message as much to me as to you because I don't have it all figured out. Oh, I know the answer because the Bible tells me the answer. But just because I know the answer doesn't mean I necessarily do it. And you probably could stand up here right now and tell me the answer to the question. But are we doing it? Are we living it? Or do we whine and grumble and complain? Today I'm going to show you from the Bible a couple of stories that you've heard your whole life. But God showed me a unique way to look at these stories and some verses that I never read before or read them in that way that I want to share today. For some of you, this will be hard, but I believe it's true. Because I'm not going to tell you that God is going to get you out of that problem. But truth never changes. First story I want to look at is in Daniel. In Daniel chapter 3, we all know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Yeah, you know that story, because we teach it to our kids, and they learn that story in Sunday school and children's church. And you all know, if you, if you don't know the story, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were captured from their homeland in Israel. And they were brought to Babylon. And in those days, they took the brightest and the smartest and the best looking of that country, and they brought it to their country, and they tried to incorporate them into their country, and make them a part of who they were, and, and cause their country to be even greater. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three guys that were pretty sharp characters. And even though they were essentially POWs, prisoners of war, They were brought to Babylon, and because of their 
intelligence, not because of what they had, but what God gave them. They were elevated to positions of power in Babylon. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were kind of looked down upon by the rest of the world because, wait, these guys aren't even part of us, but yet they're in charge and they're ruling in our country. So they tried to find a way to get them to fail. They couldn't get them to fail morally or ethically, so they said, we know what we'll do. We'll put up some sort of a statue that says, when music is being played, you need to bow down to this statue. And if you don't bow down, you'll get thrown in a fiery furnace. They didn't bow down, so they get brought before the king, Nebuchadnezzar. He says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Is that what you say to your problem? I don't need to defend myself in front of you. God's bigger than you are. Or do you go, hey, wait, God, I'm in this other country, and I'm a prisoner of war, and I'm doing all the right kind of things, and I'm, because I'm doing these good things for you, I'm being elevated to a status of power in my country, and then this is what you give me, God? I get thrown into a fiery furnace for what? For doing right things? Do you see how easy that is to turn it to yourself? Poor me, pitiful me, because God is allowing something to happen in my life that I don't think is fair, or I don't think is right. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from the power, from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never, never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose God. And they got thrown into the fiery furnace. But they didn't stay there. And you're going to have to listen to the whole story today, the whole message. You're going to have to stay with me to get the punchline at the end. Well, there's another guy in the book of Daniel that went through the same kind of things. We all know about Daniel, right? Daniel in the lion's den. But before Daniel ever got to the lion's den, I want to share with you a little bit of Daniel's history. Daniel was just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He came from Israel. He was captured. He was a prisoner of war. He was brought to, to Babylon. And he was seen as this young, bright kid who probably could help our country out, so maybe we better treat him right. So they tried to feed him the king's food, and you know the story. He said, no, I don't want to eat all that kind of food and wine. Just give me fruits and vegetables and see how I look after 
couple weeks, and he looked brighter and sharper than the rest of them. So they brought him before the king. The king liked him and put him in a place of authority. He was essentially an advisor to the king, much like one of our cabinet members or advisors to our president. Pretty high up a place in a country. Well, one night, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he says to all his wise people, his advisors, in the Bible they call them astrologers and magicians and whatever else, God gave him a dream, and so he brought them all in, and he said, tell me what my dream means. They said, okay, well, tell us your dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. He goes, no, I ain't telling you what my dream is. You tell me what I dreamt. If you're so smart, tell me what I dreamt, and then tell me what it means. They go, we can't do that. Nobody can do that. He goes, no, if, if you're really that smart, and you're an astrologer, and you see signs in the stars and everywhere else, tell me what it means. They said, we can't do it. He said, okay, kill them all. Kill all of the astrologers, kill all my advisors, kill all the wise people in my kingdom. Somebody went to Daniel and said, hey, um, they're going to come kill you because these guys couldn't figure it out. So Daniel went to the king. He said, hey, wait a second. I'll tell you what your dream was and what it meant. Not because I'm so smart, but because the God I serve will reveal it to me. And the God that Daniel serves revealed it to him. And he not only told Nebuchadnezzar his dream, but what it meant. And Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed, he put him into a higher level of power in his kingdom. Daniel's doing pretty good, right? Some of us are doing pretty good. Life is clicking along. We got a couple of bucks in our pocket. You know, Thanksgiving is pretty good. We got a little leftover turkey today to eat. What happens when life comes and struggles come and health issues come? Do we forget about God then? Well, life happened to Daniel. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar dies. And another king comes up. And his name is Belshazzar. And Belshazzar is kind of a bad guy. And he throws a party in his castle. And he brings in all these gold and silver cups that they took from the temple in Jerusalem. They stole them from the Jews and brought them to their country. And he said, ah, let's drink some wine and have some fun out of these cups. He defiled them. You know what the word defiled means? It's an old word in the Bible, but it's to spoil, to destroy something that's good or perfect. So he destroyed, he defiled those cups. Interesting. He looks across the room, and there's a hand. Not a body, just a hand writing on the wall. And he's looking at the hand writing on the wall, and they can't read the writing, and they don't understand what it says. So once again, they call the king's astrologers and wise men, and, and nobody can tell them what it means. But somebody in the room goes, hey, there's this dude. His name is Daniel. He's done this before. Maybe we should get him in here. Daniel comes in and explains to him. King Belshazzar is so impressed, puts him third in position in his kingdom. 
That'd be like president, vice president, what, speaker of the house? Pretty high up in the, in the kingdom. And what happens? Belshazzar dies. Life goes on. And another king comes in place. Now the third king that comes in place is called Darius the Mede. And Darius the Mede is a little bit smarter than Belshazzar. And he knows that Daniel's a pretty sharp dude. So he brings him in and brings him into a position of power and respect and honor and actually has a plan to put Daniel in charge of his entire kingdom. He's going to sit back in his castle and relax, and Daniel is going to run the country. And the country in those days, the Medes and the Persians, is the entire known world. Daniel, a prisoner of war, a child of God, would have run the entire world. Well, there were some people that really didn't like that, didn't respect Daniel, so they threw another trap in for him. And Daniel went from potentially being the leader of the free world to what we have right here. Being thrown in a lion's den. Because you see, he didn't bow down and worship the king like they sent a decree out. He went into his room and he prayed to God. What do you do when struggle and strife and difficulty and health issues and accidents happen in your world? Do you go to your room and pray to God? Or do you go to your friend and complain? Daniel went to his room and prayed to God. Did God save him? No, he threw him in a lion's den. Just because we pray doesn't mean God's going to make everything good. Remember that. Very early the next morning, the king loved Daniel, but he made this law and he had to follow it. The king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in God. Took a lot of time to tell you those two stories in the Bible, but I think they're good examples for us to follow when we have difficulty in our lives. What was their response? Who did they put their trust in? Certainly not into a king, not into man, not into compromise. They put their trust in the one true God. Maybe today you're feeling like, you know, I've done good things with my life. I serve God. I give when the offering plate is brought by. I sign up on the sheets out back and I serve in church and I don't beat the dog and love my wife, don't speed too much. Whatever you want to justify to say that I'm a good person. I deserve a good life. I deserve an easy life. I deserve a life of pleasure. 
I deserve rewards. Money in my pocket, nice car to drive, a cell phone, whatever you want. Where's your faith? Is it in those things? Is it in the world? Or is your faith in your relationship with God? Because it's going to be tempted, it's going to be tried at times. Is your relationship with God based on a bargaining system? I don't think we actually pray and say, hey, God, I've been doing good things for you. You need to send a little back my way. But we think it, right? I I deserve this. I'm doing right things. That's a North American theology. It doesn't preach well in other countries in the world. Because they do right things and they do good things and God doesn't give them money in their pocket and a new car to drive and a house over their head. You see, if it doesn't preach in other parts of the world, it can't preach here either. I guarantee you that if those men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel, would have said, poor me, feel bad for me, let's have a pity party, I need everybody to see how terrible my life is. I'm down here in this pit. King has thrown me into this fiery furnace. I guarantee you that if their attitude was that way, God would have left them in that predicament. You never would have read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nobody would have heard of Daniel in the lion's den. Did you know that Daniel in the lion's den, if you think this story is false, there was a shrine of Daniel and the story of him in the lion's den in the town of Mosul. You know, Mosul's in the news right now. ISIS went in and destroyed that shrine just last year. That story is true. It is real. It did happen in a town today called Mosul. God would have found another way to exalt his kingdom if these guys would not have acted in the right way. Now my question to you today is what position, what situation, what struggle does God have you in and how are you handling that so that he can be exalted? Not me. My testimony is not to show the world how great I am. My testimony is to show the world how great God is. Whatever struggle he's bringing you through is not so that you can say to the world, look at me, but to say to the world, look at God. Because that's what he can do. Whether or not he ever solves your health issues or your struggles with your kids or whatever issue you have, it doesn't matter. Because it's not about me. It's about him. I have people that come into my office from time to time and they want to share with me their struggles and I have compassion on them and I want to help them. And one of the questions I ask them that nobody really knows how to answer is, what's God trying to teach you in this?
And they don't really quite know how to understand that because all they're doing is looking at their problem. They're not looking at their God. And then I say to them, are you telling God how big your problem is? (laughs) Or your problem, how big your God is? Are you telling God, my problem's too big, God, I just can't handle it. Or are you telling your problem, I got a God that's pretty big, and he can take care of this. Most of you know that I drive a shiny red truck out in the parking lot. And when people see my truck and they get in my truck and they're like, wow, this is a nice truck, I immediately point them to the story behind it. Matter of fact, where's Jamie? There he is. Jamie and I were pheasant hunting on Friday. He got in my truck. He goes, hey, this is a nice truck. I said, yeah, I got a God story I got to tell you. And I told him the story. But you know what? Before I ever got to that point, I was struggling. And I was telling God how big my problem was. But I have a daughter named Isabel who saw the problem and Isabel saw the opportunity for God to be God. And she prayed and because of her prayers God answered. That's a great testimony to me of where we look. Right now I'm preaching to myself. I'm in a difficult season in life. Ministry Things aren't always perfect. I know the answer lies in putting my trust and faith in God. So he gets the glory. I know that's the answer. I don't always live it. My flesh wants to whine out or complain or tell God how big my problem is. My perspective is on my problem and not on my God. Where's your perspective today? Is it on your problem? Or is it on your God? It's got to be on your God. Because he has a purpose behind that struggle that you're going through. You might not ever find out. You might, but you might not. But it's not about you. It's about him. So where's your perspective today? What season does God have you in and how are you handling the difficulties of life? Are you telling God that your present financial situation is too big for you? Or are you telling your finances that God is bigger than my problem? Are you arguing with your spouse over your marriage? Or are you on your your knees telling God that he is the answer and you are the vessel through whom he must work? Are you frustrated with your job and complaining to your spouse about your boss? Or are you looking for ways for God to be honored in your work? Are you frustrated with your kids and the way they're walking away from their faith and you're nagging them about making right decisions? Or, and this is probably the hardest thing for parents, are you on your knees asking God to move in their lives? So he can be glorified and his kingdom can be advanced not your parenting skills maybe you feel like the whole world is against you and your health is failing you're late on your bills you can't find the right job 
Your boss never recognizes the thing you do. Your car quit working again. I mean, fill in the blank here. You failed a class in school. You got rejected at another interview. The roof on your house is leaking. Water heater quit. You name it. Are you dwelling on the problem? Or are you dwelling on God? God can shut the mouth of the lion. God can meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. And it says in there that they sang songs, worship songs, while they're in the fiery furnace. Here's the punchline today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fiery furnace. God protected them. I'm sure that when they got thrown in, they weren't thinking this. They were probably a little bit afraid. But from their words that we know from Scripture, they said God can and will rescue us. And if not, we're still going to follow God. But here's what happens when you follow God through the difficulties of life. This is what can happen. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defiled the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. Imagine this. The leader of the free world, after you've gone through a struggle that he was partially to blame for, would say to the entire world, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, Speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb. Their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. That should make us cheer. Because that's about God. Not about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not about the fiery furnace. But about God. Can the world say that of you when you go through difficulty in your life? Can they say that about me? I would hope so. And the last one. I love this. King Darius the Mede, the ruler of the free world. The Medes and the Persians was the entire known world. Sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. His res- he rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What's your response today? Amen. That's hard to do. It's hard to praise God when I'm feeling bad for myself. These guys did nothing wrong. It's not like there was sin in their life and that's why God allowed it to happen. They were doing right things. But God allowed things to happen in their life so that he would be honored and he would be glorified. Daniel didn't sit in the corner of that lion's den and cower. He told those kitties how big his God is. 
God could have protected Daniel from entering the lion's den, but then the whole nation, the Medes and the Persians, the whole world would not have heard that decree. So what is my proper response to the trials and struggles in life? That's not the question we should be asking. The question we should be asking is, what is God going to do in my world through my struggles to advance his kingdom? What is God going to do through me because I respond in the proper way to advance his kingdom? What if he never heals us? What if he never takes away those pains and aches and struggles? Is it about me? Or is it about God? Some of you might be going through some very difficult things right now in your world, and and this is hard for you to understand because you want to get out of it. You want to have a God who will rescue you. Look to God as the one who will glorify himself. That's the God that we serve. And some of you aren't going through any struggles right now. Tuck Daniel chapter 1 through 6 away somewhere. And when struggles come your way, read it. And read it and read it. And see what happens when you respond properly to God. And the difficulties that he allows to come your way. So that his kingdom can be advanced. And people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The entire world heard it. Because these guys did what they should do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that challenges us. Challenges us to do things that we know that are right, but are still hard to do. Lord, I want to pray for this congregation right now. There are some people that are going through some difficulties in their lives. And I want them to turn to you, Lord. And turn to you for the answers to those problems. And that you the world would see that their God, the God that they serve, the God that they kneel to, the God that they pray to, will be the king of the world. And his mission will be advanced through that struggle that they have. Lives will be changed because of what we go through as Christians. Lord, those of us that aren't dealing with difficulty right now but it'll come someday help us to remember these words help us to remember the stories of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and of Daniel and not that God rescued them but what what the outcome of that struggle was and how your kingdom was advanced in the world Thank you for the encouragement that we've had today. I ask, Lord, that you would go with us this week. May we be a light, an example to our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming today, guys. You are dismissed.